Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Heights Church. We meet weekly at 9 and 11 a.m. For more information, visit SalemHeightsChurch.org. Well, good morning, church. Man, we are so thankful for you. And if you are a guest this morning, I want to welcome you to our church. Uh, you picked a, a great morning to be with us because it's always good to worship and give thanks to the Lord for He is good. Amen? Yeah. Man, we're so thankful for you. I just look around uh, the room. We're thankful for everyone joining us online this morning as well. We're just thankful as a church. We're thankful to be a place where people are drawing near to hear God's word and just respond in open praise. So uh, my name is Pete. I'm one of the pastors here with Pastor Justin. And if you're new to our church, this is not how we always preach, uh, but there are times in our, in our church where we come together and we focus on some things as a family. And uh, we, we like to do that together. Uh, we have the privilege of serving uh, as part of the pastoral team here at the church. And so this morning we're gonna be uh, diving into kind of the last installment of Ancient Wells' new yeah. season. Yeah, I think it's uh, important when uh, Pete and I are up here just to highlight a couple of reasons why we're doing that recently. I, and you just mentioned it, but uh, our goal, anytime we're doing something big as a family, as we're moving forward, uh, what we really want to do is highlight for you that anything that we're pushing into right now is not coming from one individual, one leader, uh, one faction in the church, but the elders, as we pray about what we see God um, doing in our church as we begin to read scripture uh, closely, looking for answers to the things that are going on in our society and in our particular building. Uh, we pray that God would give us insights in what to do, and then we want to share those with you. But what we want to do is make sure you see that it's a, not just a shared agenda, but um, there, there is more than one individual at the helm. Mm -hmm. And uh, Pete, uh, is one of our pastors, teaching pastors, and so he and I have endeavored always to come and bring these things to you as co-laborers. Um, and also because Pete just loves being up here with me, it's his favorite thing. <clears throat> it is. It yeah. Is. <laughs> Good answer. Uh, we're in the, the second week of this third installment, Ancient Wells New Season. We told you we were just going to do these in two-week bits, uh, give you some information, let that soak on your heart, and then you're going to walk away. This is it. This is your final opportunity to listen, okay? Uh, and we're, fo we're focusing this morning on this passage that we've been in, 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. Uh, we're drilling down on chapter 9 here, and we're talking about generosity, and in particular, what does this, how does this benefit the believer? In our Fundamentals of the Faith class, uh, we highlight something that's really pretty significant. Um, if you were to go through the scriptures and highlight the number of times that the word believe comes up, you'd have to guess just in your own mind, uh, how many do you think, how many times do you think that comes up? 272 times. The word believe, that's an important word in scripture. Uh, the word pray, how many times does that come up? 371 times. Significant word. I think it's important to believe and important to pray. Amen? Amen. It's important to say amen when you're asked to say amen as well. That's, uh, <laughs> I think that's in the New Testament somewhere. So, How many times does it say love? In Scripture, 714 times love is identified. But how many times does the word giving come up? 2,152 times giving comes up in Scripture. 
Now, why is that important? Uh, it's important because there is something about giving that puts these other things on display. If you believed, if you love, if you are praying, there is something that comes out of your life that is a response to it's looking like the Father. There's something else that's really tricky, though, about giving in the New Testament. When you come to the New Testament, there's all of this debate about how much should you give. Ever heard that debate? What percentage? Uh, there's battles about should we tithe? Is it grace giving? All of these different things. But here's the important thing to understand. Uh, this is the only uh, kind of um, righteous activity that you participate in that there's no other secondary metric. You don't know how to, to judge whether or not you're succeeding in being generous. Uh, you know, if you are an, a married adult, you know if you are committing adultery. You, you don't stop partway through and go, oh no, am I committing adultery? Okay. You know when you're committing an adulterous act. You know when you are offending that relationship, there is a metric there that says, this is wrong, don't go here. How do you know when you're being greedy? How do you know when generosity has not filled your soul? This is completely between you and the Lord. And this is honestly where we should leave it, amen? Between you and the Lord. How do I know whether or not the Lord has laid something on my heart? Well, there's not a metric out there that says this is the percentage and then after that you're walking with the Lord. That is completely between you and the Lord. We've always believed that as a church. I think we've lived that out, but that's where we wanna stay. As we walk through this uh, passage this morning, we do want you to hear those thoughts uh, pervade. Uh, this is between you and the Lord. We're leaving it there. And as best as we can, we're removing guilt from the process because we believe that that taints the gift. You, just between you and the Lord, listen to the Spirit of God and whatever you would do to participate in the activity of the church or in whatever project we've been called to be um, moving forward in, it needs to be between you and the Lord. Respond to the Spirit. And so up here on the stage, we have uh, a well. Uh, it's an illustration that kind of highlights this season because this, this series, Ancient Wells, uh, new season, really ties into our church and the fact that we're getting close on celebrating 75 years as a church. And, and the well represents an ancient faith that there were a group of believers who came and saw a need for a church in this part of our city, and they, they dug a well a well where living water would flow up from and the word of God would be preached and people would be able to grow as followers of Jesus Christ. And so we want to celebrate what God has done, but yeah. understand that in this season, this new season, this is the generation, this is the church that's called to tend to this well so that it can continue to be a place where people can receive the living word of God, grow deep in their faith, and then let that overflow be shared through them to both each other and to our community. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at a passage here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So if you have a copy of God's word and want to join us there, we want to invite you in because this morning we want to look at what Paul said as he's talking to a group of believers who wanted to begin to let their faith lead them to action. And so he provided them an example of what that could look like back in chapter 8 about these people who didn't have much but yet gave generously to the Lord because they saw that everything was from God, through God, and to God. And now in chapter 9, he's going to give a little bit more specific details to the Corinthians and how he wants them to approach it. So we're going to start in verse 6 and read through verse 15. And so if you have that and want to follow along, we're going to start in verse 6. It says this, the point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. 
And God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, he distributed freely, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the proof provided by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ Mm -hmm. and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. And as they pray on your behalf, they will have deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Pastor Justin, there are three axioms, principles that kind of guide us that we find in this passage that you're going to kind of highlight for us this morning. Yeah, so uh, don't you love it when um, a, a speaker, and in particular the Apostle Paul, when he says the point is this, he's letting you know where you should focus, right? The point is this, the person who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, the person who sows generously will reap generously. Now, there's all kinds of concerns when we read this passage. We talked about this last week. One of the concerns that I had even bringing this up is there are some who have abused some of these scriptures and turned what they intended in order that somebody else might have gain. Um, The the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel has not been good to these scriptures. They have not highlighted God's intention. So we wanted these three axioms to pull out what it is that God was, was really hoping that you would grab onto here as he wrote this scripture. So we shouldn't avoid it because this is God's word, amen? Amen. And we shouldn't edit God's word because we're worried about what somebody else might do with it. So there's three things that fall off of this page that I think we need to grab onto in order to be able to do life well in general, but also this season in our church. And the first one is this. You need to see in this passage that generosity expands. You experience righteousness according to this passage. And greed or compulsory giving, being told you have to do something, shrinks and rots the soul. I, I just want you to think about this, looking at this passage. Jonathan Edwards was talking about the experience of righteousness as a whole. And he said, there is one thing to be able to come to something theologically, and you make your list. This is what it means to be righteous. You do these things. You don't do these things. You follow these scriptures. You memorize things. You have a devotion. Uh, you have a prayer life. Uh, you go to church. They have all these things that you do right, in in your mind, and this can make you feel like you're righteous. He says, it's one thing to study honey. It's an entirely different thing to have the taste of it on your tongue. And he says, in this passage right here, he says, the point is this. The person who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Later on, he says, what are you reaping? Not more seed. If seed is a picture of money, he says, you're not giving something in order to get more money back. It says you're reaping in righteousness. There's actually an experience that you will have that's transformative as a result of being generous and giving. Yeah. And so this is not a dollar for dollar passage where if you give this, he's going to multiply this. This is literally like when you give to the Lord, you begin to experience him working through you and doing whatever he's going to do that's going to produce righteousness in you and in others. And so it's one thing to know about this life that we have now in Christ because of our faith 
this life that he promises us, more than just eternal life, the forgiveness of sin, spending eternity with him in heaven, but he talks about eternal life being something that we can experience now on this side of heaven, an intimacy with God. But it's not just an intellectual pursuit. No, it's an experience of what God does in the life when he actually restores it, when he redeems it and brings it to life. The reluctancy, though, that we have to giving towards that is because there's something inside of us in our sinful flesh, in our selfishness, that says, no, what we have is what makes me happy. What we have is what gives me fulfillment. And he's saying, no, to find life, you have to lose it. And so to give it away is allowed us to experience God do something through that generosity that only can happen when we submit to him. There's a, a story that you and I were talking about this. It's become famous on our mission teams. Um, when we went down to Guatemala for the first time, we were unaware of some of the poverty we would run into. In fact, some of the locals there were so concerned about the poverty we'd run into that they didn't want us to actually go join them uh, in certain places. Um, they, they thought that it might scare us off. Um, but one of those folks said, I have a passion for this group of people. They're outcasts in our society. Now, the average person in Guatemala makes $30 a month, a dollar a day. So it takes five to seven of them, uh, and things don't cost less there. They're despondent when it comes to, to their needs. Um, but the folks in the dump literally live off of the trash from those folks who can't afford much. Their trash all goes to an area, and there was 5,000 people that were living in this dump. And there was one worker that was there, and she came in, and she was completely wrecked. She had just come from the outside of the dump. You can't leave the dump if you're a part of that uh, society. They won't let you just come out and travel the streets. And so these kids are stuck there. And this little guy that she had been working with came by, and they had um, been the first to get to this dump truck that had come out, and it had come from a place called uh, Pollo Loco, so the crazy chicken. (laughs) They were so excited because inside uh, that dump truck load, there was a bunch of of uh, chicken wings that had already been consumed. And they would get those bones and they would suck the bones. And so they got this pile of bones that were still greasy. And they're walking by this gal and they say, oh, isn't this amazing? First of all, they're so fresh, but also they said, doesn't it just make you wonder? She goes, wonder what? Doesn't it make you wonder what it would taste like with the chicken on the bone? And there was a couple of businessmen that were on the trip with us, and they said, this, this just can't be. We don't care what it costs. Take those kids. Find a way to get permission to take them outside and take them to Pollo Loco. Just buy them chicken. So they take them all there, and they put the, the boxes in front of these kids who have not had anything. Now, these are men of means who thought that their joy was to just come on a little trip. They would, they would do some ministry, get a good vacation in, get some rest, right? They go to this place and, and they buy chicken for these kids and the kids are opening up the box, but they won't eat it all. They take a couple of bites and they sit back. They're so impacted by it, but they're saving the rest for their mom and dad and a brother and sister back home who haven't tasted it. And these men are, are weeping. They're devastated and they're having this experience. Now, we had the opportunity to do this for the Compassion Kids. The Compassion Kids all come in, we buy them chicken. Their family, because of the rules, have to stay outside this wall. But they're cheering because the kids get to have chicken and they're going to bring some up. And the kids would do in the same thing, saving it for them. When we say that this is an opportunity for you, along with the Father, to experience righteousness, there is something that we did not think about 
the moment that we're buying chicken for kids. We didn't spend any time wondering, is this a good use of this dollar? We didn't worry about, oh no, what's this going to cost me? In fact, everyone's going around saying, do we have spare change? Can we do this for the other group? They're, they're trying to find some way to do that again. Why? Because the experience of being able to give and see the delight that just happened meeting a physical need, much less a spiritual need, which is in this passage, it changed them. Those men went away. They were from another church. Up north, they've gone back year after year, and they say, we just want to go to that place. We just want to bless those families. It's forever changed them, and it's changed them for the better. Back in in chapter 8, there's a a reference that Paul is making to this church that refers to this idea of the story in the wilderness when God provided for the Israelites manna. He just, he provided and he made a promise every day. I'm going to meet your need. I'm going to give you plenty to eat, but I'm, in, yeah. I'm instructing you to not take more than you need. And for those who took more because they didn't trust the Lord, it began to rot and smell and get stinky. But for those who obeyed the Lord and just took what they needed for that day, no matter how much they needed, how big their family was or how small their family was every day, the Lord continued to provide for their need. And we kind of see that, that thought carried through here in chapter nine, when he says those who who so kind of sparingly are going to reap sparingly, those who are going to be worried about giving or, or worried about what they're going to have, that actually does not expand your experience of God's generosity. It shrinks it because you're holding on to the scraps when he wants to give you so much more. There's a, a passage that gets quoted there, and we remind you anytime you're reading your Bible, look for those indented, bold sections. And it is a quote of Psalm 112. I think we have time just to read a little bit of it here, but I want you to notice something that happens. In Psalm 112, it says this, Hallelujah, happy is the person who fears the Lord, taking great delight in his commands. And then it begins to walk through what it looks like to love God and to walk in his commands. His descendants will be powerful in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light shines in the darkness for the upright. Get that. Do you ever feel like it's dark in our times that we're in right now? This is what it's talking about. It's using a metaphor to describe the times that they're living in. And he says, there's a house that the light is still on in, and it's those who have followed the Lord. He's gracious and compassionate, righteous. Good will come to the one who lends generously and conducts his business fairly. He'll never be shaken. The righteous one will be remembered forever. Note that phrase in your Bibles. If you get a chance, just underline that. This is a phrase that is used throughout the scriptures not just for somebody who's righteous, but the righteous one is pointing forward to the Messiah. This passage makes a a change. Something happens partway through where the story of a righteous individual gets conflated with the one who's going to be the Messiah. Your life, as you faithfully live for the Lord, people will eventually stop seeing you and start looking to him. Amen? Amen. They'll change where they're looking. Instead of looking at you and saying, bless you, they're going to say, wow, praise God. And that's what happens here. And it tells about the Messiah. He will not fear bad news. His heart will be confident, trusting the Lord, assured he will not fear. In the end, he will look and triumph on his foes. He distributes freely to the poor. No strings attached. His righteousness endures forever, and his horn will be exalted in honor. Well, that's awesome. But what's happening to those who don't live like this? The wicked one will see it. They'll see the joy of that individual. They'll see this this storyline that goes from you being righteous to looking like God uh, is just everywhere in your life. 
The wicked one will see it and will be angry. He'll gnash his teeth. He'll look at me and go, oh, man, those, those good people will bug me. That's what it says. And the desire of the wicked will lead to ruin. You're, you just will drive right off the road of life. Why is that important to note? Paul puts it in here, and he assumes that you've read that psalm. He assumes that you have unpacked that in your mind. Here's a storyline that leads people to praise God. Generosity will expand who you are. You experience righteousness. Everything else will rot you, and the end is evident. And so righteous giving, we believe, is not something that's based on an amount. It's personal, and it's a response to the Lord in worship. And when we give that way, we get to experience his righteousness. There's a second axiom that uh, we want you to see in here, and that is generosity is a proclamation of faith. Um, As Paul is talking about giving to a group of Corinthians, remember who they are, where they're coming from, he is saying that when you give, you are actually saying, I understand that God is in control of everything, that he is the one that has given me anything in my life that's even possible to give away. The only reason I can be generous is because God was the one that was generous to me. Um, It says in verse 10 there, now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest. Notice this once again, not of seed, but of righteousness, this experience that you have of walking with the Lord um, in righteousness has been provided by God. It says the one who provides, Uh, that's another word you should underline there. Sometimes when we do our literal translations, we miss some of these idioms uh, that would have been uh, just native to them. But you're talking to a group of Corinthians. So these are a bunch of people that got saved out of partying and craziness, all right? Don't raise your hand if you can recognize a Corinthian spirit in your own history, all right? But some of you know where they're coming from. And this is what has happened. There is a group of people, and they would go from place to place, and they would have this party that was all set up. A group of musicians and and, uh, playwrights, they would write dramas, they would sing music, and they would do everything for a community. But in order for them to come into your community, there had to be somebody who would underwrite that, literally a chorus leader. That's the term that's used here. Now, the one who is the chorus leader or the one who is orchestrating all of the music has already provided for every single thing that you need in order to put the music on display. The chorus leader in that day, in the Corinthian day, um, was somebody who not only knew what he wanted everyone to experience, but he paid for it in advance. So Paul uses this word for the one who provides. He's saying that the Lord is the one who provides. If you've had a, a good time at worship, God has provided so that you could worship. If you've had your spirit lifted, it's because God has provided so that can happen. If you've been able to impact somebody, he's given you gifts so that you can bless them. So... God has given us, it says here, seed to the sower. So there's a responsibility. There's a duty that the sower has to sow that seed at the right time, in the right seasons, and to tend to it, to prepare the ground, to sow it, um, and to tend for it, and to care for it. Those resources that are given by the Lord are are meant to go through us. They're not meant to just be ours. And so God has given each to each of us differently, um, different talents, different skills, different abilities, different resources, and he's going to use those through you to accomplish his purposes because, again, everything is to him and his glory. Yeah, you only have a gift because of him, but also it says here in uh, verse 8, 
And God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always, I think he's trying to make a point here. Notice this. Every, every, always, Mm -hmm. having everything that you need, you might excel in every good work. I read about a church this last week um, who got this passage wrong. They got it wrong. Health, wealth, and prosperity idea. Instead of saying, I just want to participate with God, and it's because I get who he is, and I'm walking with him. They instead, they made a guarantee, and they were hoping that guilt would keep them from uh, uh, responding differently. But they said, if you're not giving 10%, you need to start right now. And they, they gave a money-back guarantee. Give it six months. And in six months, if your life isn't better, if it isn't radically different, you just ask us, and we'll give you your money back. They did a money-back guarantee. Isn't that crazy? Here's the problem. A bunch of people that actually wanted their money back because their life went off the rails were embarrassed to come back, and and they said, it feels like we kind of got sold. This is not what God's talking about here. What he's saying is if you're actually walking with him, he's going to provide everything that you need for today, but it says there is a harvest of, of righteousness. He'll increase the harvest of your righteousness. He wants you to experience everything that he has for you, and if you are content in him, that's what you want. You want to generously walk alongside the Father. Amy Carmichael, uh, who had famously gone to India, uh, started an orphanage there, had said one time that you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And so they were asking her, why are you giving your life to these people? And she says, because I love them. And the love that I have for them is inspired by the Lord. So I think the principle that we're trying to highlight this morning is we believe in a God who not only gives us enough to sustain our needs because he cares for us, greater than the flowers, greater than the birds, he cares for you. So he promises to give you what you need to be sustained, but he also says, I'm also going to give you enough to give away. I remember there were times where I would be able to go to the movies with my friends and I'd, and I'd go to my dad and say, hey, can I have a few dollars to go to the movies? And he would say, yeah. And there were times where he would give me a little bit more and say, here, here's a little bit more so that you can pay for your ticket, but also buy a treat for your friends. And so it was like he, he provided for me, but he also gave me more that was attended. Now, I could have just not let my friend know that, save that money and mooch off my friend and say, hey, can you buy me something? We all know that kid, right? That there, are, yeah. there are those types of people. <laughs> Or I can say, I can do this. I know you've told some stories too about um, some of the generosity that you saw develop in your kids because they knew that they could give it away because dad always had more. Yeah. And I think they that's- They thought he did. They thought he did. Yeah. Dad's getting a little dry now, Yeah, right? somebody so, highlighted they didn't like my socks and so they were highlighting for me. They were like, you know, you ought to in this process would get some new socks. They, well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so our father- Figure it out. Our father gives us enough not only to be sustained, but to give away. And so that's, that's what he's given us, opportunities to join yeah. him and experience him in this way. And that's what we believe. And so we understand that there's sacrifice, but we also believe in a God that in that sacrifice provides. And so we're just asking, he's looking for us to go, will you trust me? Will you be obedient? Will you see this thing in the right way and participate in what I'm inviting you into? Yeah. Final thing that we want you to see in here is that generosity, like incense, sets the mood for thankful worship. Just on your own, just read this devotionally at the very end. Very few people will take time there because it's highlighting generosity. But it says that you'll be enriched in every way in all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. So somebody else's generosity being given to a group of people that are distributing it, 
He says, all of a sudden, everyone is beginning to praise God everywhere we go. And this Thanksgiving is creating a sense, like incense. It fills up the room whenever you come. Because of the generosity of one group, another group of people is able to be elevated. uh, And it changes their experience. It says in verse 12 there, this ministry of service, it's literally pulling a picture out of temple service to those that would take care of the incense, that would take care of the wave offering. If you entered into the temple complex, there were these beautiful smells that actually attended all of those ceremonies, an incense that was only for the temple. There was wave offering. If you loved meat, they had a barbecue going at the very front end of that temple where you could smell the fat from the fire coming off. But if you didn't love meat, there was also a grain offering, okay? Uh, And yes, that was gluten. There was no gluten-free opportunities in the temple, but God still blessed it. And it was this ministry of service. There was a scent that took over as all of those offerings were being brought. One of the things that we wanted to highlight was, uh, and and we've been hesitant to do this, so this is the concern of the morning. (laughs) Actually, a greater concern than whether or not you can handle generosity, this is a generous church. You folks are generous. That's the nature. That part's easy. But telling you about how some of your generosity has impacted the community, the concern was that, that somehow it would be seen that we were trying to say something about our influence. It really has nothing to do with us and everything to do with how God is using you in the community. But some local pastors and some people who have been impacted by uh, the three gifts to the city had asked if they could participate with it. They, they wanted to send in videos or some statements to be able to tell you how already you have been impacting them, and we wanted you to see those. So this capital campaign, this, uh, this vision to build a training center, a building that can train people and to continue to expand access to these three gifts, is more than a building. It's not uh, about the building. The building is the means. It's, it's the vision to continue to minister to the people God has placed in front of us to say, hey, I want you to care for these people. Yeah. And we just felt it was important to let some of these pastors and our friends share some of their thoughts because they come to us and they thank us. And we just want to, we always say, it's not, it's not us, it's us. Yeah. Because when they reference Salem Heights, when they see what God is allowing us to do and to see the faithfulness of our church, they're not just seeing us, they're seeing you. And we want you to hear that. So we've invited them, would you be willing to share that with our people so that they can hear from you how much their faithfulness to God is impacting them personally as pastors, but also their churches and the people that God's calling them to minister to. And so the first one uh, comes from a friend here locally uh, who's been impacted by our biblical counseling ministry. He'll introduce himself to you, so we'll play this first video and let you hear from him. Good evening, Salem Heights. My name is John Jaskoka, and I'm the executive pastor here at Morning Star. And I just wanted to say thank you so much to your church and your church's leadership and how much you've helped us. I can't say enough and so thankful for Justin, for Emily, for Steve, for um, what's that guy's name? Kind of awkward. Pete. Yes, that's his name. Thankful for Pete as well. And all the help you guys have been. It's been a couple years where we as a church had a vision to say welcome home to everyone who needs a family, a place where healing and reconciliation can take place in all. 
And we felt like the best way to do that was to start a biblical counseling ministry. And we could not have done it without Salem Heights. You've trained our leaders. Over 20 of them have gone through your course. And last February, we launched a ministry and it's been going really, really well. We're currently meeting with 25 people that we're offering counseling to where they're able to come and uh, talk about God's word, how to apply it to their lives and to really be able to move forward with Jesus and to become more like him. And it has been outstanding. And none of it would have happened without Salem Heights providing, again, the training, the resources, and the encouragement to keep going. So from the bottom of our hearts, I want to say thank you. We're big fans of you all. We love you guys. And just, again, thank you for everything you've done for us. Yeah. yeah. I'm seeing a theme with my friends. Yeah, what's the deal? It's hurtful. Let's move on. Just ignore it. It's best not to pay attention. We, uh, we have a, a few other things that we wanted you to be able to just wrap your mind around. Uh, we had asked Matt kind of late in the game for, for this, and instantly he, he was on the phone, and a bunch of guys said, hey, can I say something yeah. to that? They didn't have an opportunity to do a video. Uh, but we have a couple of folks from right here in our area, and it starts, uh, if you were going to do kind of the... Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the earth, we, we see a trail uh, that, of guys that just right away had called in and, and said, Matt, would you please tell this to your folks? One comes from um, Matt, our market, uh, Calvary Chapel, Somerville, South Carolina. They just started, and he said, it's hard to believe that we're coming up on a year having the most excellent way. Uh, the group is fantastic and a highlight of our week. Thank you for your help and your support. Yeah. Uh, one, one church here in town, Capital Baptist, over in Northeast Salem, uh, one of their pastors, Jeff, says this, Our desire as a church is to make disciples and bless the community. The most excellent way has been a way for us to do both of those ministries. We are seeing lives changed by God's power. We are thankful that God led us to the most excellent way. Final one came from uh, Redemption Church in Corvallis, uh, Pastor Jeff, and uh, he says this, Believe it. I believe that over the past year of being a part of the most excellent way, we've begun to look at addiction differently. What we previously viewed primarily as a problem, we now see as people who God loves and can use us to help set them free through personal interaction and investment. Jesus is working, and all of our lives are changing because of these intentional discipling relationships. That's an amazing thing. I, I just think it's so important to hear, like, we didn't come to these churches and say, we're the experts, let us help you do what you need to do so you can look like us. We just began to do it here, ministering to you, ministering to our people, and God continued to grow that. And then the, the people in our ministry are like, how can we help get this out? And so yeah. you, God is using you to impact these churches um, for the kingdom. Yeah, the last one we have uh, is from a couple of other friends. One of the things I want to just remind you, uh, if you look back on the history of our church, I've asked a bunch of our folks, hey, would you ever think that we would, uh, if you were here 15, 20 years ago, that we would be known for being able to walk alongside other churches inside of a denomination that we were affiliated with or outside of it? And the answer would have been no. We weren't known for that. And so by God's grace, God has allowed us to have some good friends that we see uh, reading the word and walking forward with us with the same vision. And this last video comes from a couple of other good friends in the community. 
Hey, Salem Heights, Pastor Bruce, Church on the Hill, Pastor Jason. We work together here in the south part of the city and in Kaiser as well. But um, we want to talk to you about something this morning that uh, we've been thinking about a lot lately and seeing actually in action around the city. Yeah. Yeah. The the idea is imagine, just imagine what could be accomplished in the city if if it didn't really matter to those who were doing the work who got the credit. And, and that's kind of when we think of Salem Heights, when we think of you guys, that's what we think of. Uh, people who, who decide, you know what, we're going to tackle this project for the sake of unity, for the sake of the city, whether our name gets promoted or not. You may not know it, but we partner together with you on a number of things, and you guys have led the way. The counseling ministry that reaches out and tries to provide free counseling mm-hmm. for people who can't afford it, trying to restore people's relationships and marriage or family or even with Jesus. We are participating with you in that, taking the classes. We have our team put together. You guys led the way in that. Yeah, most excellent way. Another thing that we're participating in, but it started with with you. And uh, that has made us better. So you're sharing, you're you're saying that we're going to benefit the city has made us better. So the Kaiser area has a functioning Sunday once a week. Uh, most excellent way. Mm-hmm. Another thing that we partner together with is Pastor Jason and myself. We help chair a group of pastors that meet from all over the city. We meet the second Wednesday of every month. And the idea is not to promote or to plan, but the idea is just to pray together, mm-hmm. just to get together and encourage one another, listen to each other, help each other in any way we can, but most of all, just be together mm-hmm. and realize you're not alone. Pastoring can be a lonely job. I'm sure that's not a newsflash to many of you. But there's a ton of needs in our city. There's not enough churches. There's not enough pastors. And so together with you guys, we are just trying to encourage mm-hmm. the men and women that God has called to uh, to come and work in this part of the city or be on the, the stand on the wall with us. Yeah, as I was praying for you guys last night and just thinking about uh, the work of the ministry that you do together as a community, the picture I had in, that God had given me was just uh, Stephen and Philip, two, two men who were called into service, to kitchen service, and uh, they didn't get a title. They got an assignment, and from that assignment, their faithfulness united the body of Christ. Where there was division over who was being served, uh, they, they just said, we'll serve, and they came in, and, and it even it upped their theology. It says scripturally, it says that people would come and argue with them, and they, they couldn't refute their theology, so much so that they, they killed Stephen for it. And then Philip becomes the first, the first missionary sent out from the church to the Gentile world, all because they didn't care about the title, they cared about the work. And, and I just want to hopefully bless you with that and say thank you for what you guys yeah. are doing and what you're what your mission is to continue to accomplish in the city. You guys have been an example and an inspiration to us. And so, well done. Yeah. We enjoy and we look forward to working together. Yeah. Those are f- folks that we would call not only friends, uh, acquaintances, uh, but these are our brothers in Christ that are saying, uh, we see it. Uh, we want to follow that. We'll, you, we'll walk with you as uh, you move forward in the city. Yeah, and so we wanted you to see that because this is what we're being invited into by the Lord is to continue to, as a church, equip ourselves to help equip others, train others, so that the ministry of the Word of God, the ministry that allows the Word of God to go out and speak specifically into people's pains and brokenness, to help disciple them and raise them up, to help them stay faithful and encouraged in whatever ministry God's called them to. That is the ministry He's called our church to be about collectively. 
And the ministry that's going out that these people are referencing is not just the work of a couple people on staff. It's teams of people from our church that are doing this as their service to the Lord. And so we're thankful for you. God is using you, and we believe God's wanting us to continue to grow that and not just grow it from within us so that we're the answer, but to train other churches so they can be the answer in the communities and in the context that God has placed their churches. Yeah, and, and I think one of the things I'd really have you get from this, um, we're not trying to franchise Salem Heights Church. Uh, we're trying to give everything away. Yeah. These folks that, that we're highlighting for you, they're not just somebody we're trying to say, hey, will you do this so it will make us look good? These are literally some of our closest friends that God has welded us together because as we began to study the word and say, Lord, what would you have us do? They've partnered in the ministry with us, but we've, we've gained relationship. We've gained an ability to, to uh, influence a community because of what God is doing through you folks. Uh, many of you are participating in all of these ministries or have um, received benefit as a result. So. so we believe the scriptures are clear, and so we don't need to be ashamed to be able to say that God is calling his church all over the world, wherever they're at, to be generous. And he's calling our church to be generous in the same way, um, and, and generous in a new way, because our church, I believe, is generous. You folks are serving and loving each other, and we're so thankful to be just a part of the ministry of this church, where we get ministered to by what God does in your lives. But he's calling us to continue that, to expand it, and now is our opportunity to respond to that. This Thursday, we have an opportunity to gather, and we have just some information for you. We have an opportunity to to say, Lord, here's my part uh, in the campaign that we're doing to build a building, but also to facilitate some of these ministries. We've talked about a lot of those details, some of the drawings you see on the wall as you're coming in, what it's going to look like, uh, and we've had a bunch of other information that's gone out week after week. But Pete, if, if I want the most current information, uh, how do I get that? Yeah, if you go to our church website, southernheightschurch.org, at the very top of that first page you come to, you'll see a little icon of the Ancient Wells New Seasons. If you click on that, we have an entire web page dedicated to the most current information and updates regarding this campaign. There you can find an explanation of the vision, why we're feeling led to pursue this. Um, but you can also see every sermon that we referenced last week and where we talk about the vision, because the why is way more important to us than the what. And so if you want there, there's timelines, there's updates. This is the place also, there's a place where you can ask questions that we will respond to. We want to receive your questions. And even last week, we had an opportunity for people to come uh, Sunday afternoon and and do a little family talk. And we we had a good little group of people that came and asked us some questions, some some questions that they had about the project. And so we're working on um, summarizing those questions and answers and putting that on the webpage so that you can kind of see those and, and perhaps some of your questions have already been answered. But we want you to know that we've created a space for th- not just now, but throughout this entire campaign where we're going to be posting information, posting updates, but also posting testimonies of what God's doing in the lives of those who are participating in this project. And, and we had some folks say, I really want to come, but I couldn't figure out the QR code. Yeah. Uh, what do I do if I'm technology resistant or just challenge. Yeah, yeah, that would be me. Where do I go today? Yeah, we actually have a, a group of people. There's a, do- a table right outside the doors next to our elevator. They are there with a computer ready to help you get registered. If you can't figure out how to use a QR code or you don't know how to register, but you want to let us know we're going to be there Thursday night, um, we can help you get signed up today. Yeah. So be, be sure to stop by that table and uh, get that help. Uh, one question we do want to tackle this morning, are, we ask, are, are you asking us to commit a specific amount 
or to an overall attitude. Yeah, there were two questions that came out last Sunday that we thought, let's just make sure we speak to these final two questions as we conclude our message because we believe they're probably in the room this morning. And so are we asking you to commit to a specific amount? Are we just tied into talking about an overall attitude of generosity over the next couple of years? The answer to that is yes to both. In addition to your regular giving, whatever the Lord leads you to give to this church, we're asking those who call Salem Heights Church home, our Salem Heights Church families, to pledge a specific total amount towards the project. This is what we're going to be, hopefully you can indicate to us on Thursday night. If you can't make it Thursday night, you can go on and, and, and there'll be ways for you to, to participate in that um, to, uh, throughout um, the project. But we're asking you to let us know we're going to pray and this is what we're going to give. It can be one time, like we can give this right now and that's our contribution. Or, or we're going to look at our budget, plan it out over the next three years and go, we're going to be able to give this month, each month, for this total amount. We're hoping to collect that for two reasons. One, we want to give you an update as a church family next Sunday of what God has led his people to give. And two, this is going to help us strategically know what God is giving us, providing for us to be able to produce and uh, to build. Final question as we get ready to go. How how committed are we to the project? This is probably another big question. It's like, all right, well, we, we know there's a number to build this vision out. What happens if the the number is not met? Well, we are committed to being a church that does not carry long-term debt. We want to be, uh, we want to be a church that pays things off as we go and, and has any, t- any kind of debt is short-term. But well, here's what we wanted you to hear. We are committed to continuing to give these three gifts to the city. We are committed to providing a place where people can come and draw near to the word of God, drink deeply from it, and then share the overflow with those God places in their life. This project is not just a building. It's a vision. We are willing to go after those resources to make that vision come to pass because we believe that's the call that God has placed our church. But if the finances don't come in to to provide and to build out what we are proposing right now, um, it won't change the vision or direction of where we're headed as a church, but it might change. It most likely would change what we can build, and we're okay with that. So the vision will not change. We are going to continue. We are already ministering in these three areas of ministry. We're already providing these three gifts. We are going to continue to do that. That's what God's called our church to be in this part of Salem. But we are committed to that vision, the building and the training center and those things to be able to accomplish that, which we believe is necessary. We'll let the Lord help us answer those questions based on what he leads our people to give. Yeah, and so with that in your mind, we're just asking you to pray and... Uh, respond to what the Spirit of God lays on your heart. Um, we didn't do anything to kind of bait this, the front, to seed it or to, to do any of the normal uh, tricks that some would call pressure. Uh, we really believe that as a family, we're going to make the right decision and we'll move forward. Amen? Amen. So we're asking you to, to, to search your heart. We're asking you to come and just be with us on that Thursday. Get signed up. Participate in the event no matter what. And then join in however you can, because God's called us uh, to a big vision. Let's pray, and we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to look at these passages. This is your word. This scripture that we've looked at is something that you've asked us to pay attention to. So we pray that you would help us to understand those things that are plain in scripture. You give us the opportunity to be generous because you've given us all the things that we need in order to do that. Uh, you've given us enough that we can participate in whatever you would have us focus on. So we just pray, Father, that you would stir who you need to stir, that you would cause us to be soft to what you would have us 
be about, but most of all, Father, that you would remove compulsion, guilt, or bother from the room. Father, just help those who you have assigned uh, lead in this. Help us to push forward. Well, we pray, most of all, that if after Thursday, we'd be able to see what it is that you provided. Father, that we would run forward rejoicing, knowing you have called us to a great thing. You have called us to make a, a, a difference in this season, a hard season in our nation, in our state, in our city, in our communities. Father, we pray that you'd find us faithful to preach the gospel, to give people good news in season and out. So help us to do that even this week as we rejoice over what you inspire people to give. Help us to lean in and feel like family at the end. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.